The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today we continue our Kingdom of God series where we're looking at the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are currently looking at Article 5, which states that we believe that sinners are justified only in the sight of God by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Last time we dealt with justification by grace, which is the primary subject of this Article of Faith. That is that We are justified by the grace of God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ alone in the courtroom of heaven. But at the end of last sermon, I mentioned that there are at least two other justifications spoken of in the Word of God. Romans 5 verse 1 speaks of justification by faith. James chapter 2 verse 21 speaks of justification by works. These seem to conflict with each other and with the concept of justification by grace. But as we'll begin to see today, they do not conflict at all. You see, justification by grace and justification by faith and justification by works all occur in different courtrooms. Justification by grace occurs in the courtroom of eternal heaven. Justification by faith occurs in the courtroom of our hearts and minds. Justification by works occurs in the courtroom of public opinion. In today's message, which is the first half of this sermon, we review justification by grace, and we begin looking at the concept of justification by faith. Lord willing, tomorrow we'll conclude this sermon by wrapping up justification by faith and looking at justification by works. I hope you'll stay tuned because a proper understanding of the courtrooms is key to a proper understanding of justification in the scriptures. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
This morning, I want to go back to our fifth article of faith on justification. Article 5 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church reads as follows. We believe that sinners are justified only in the sight of God by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we dealt with justification by grace or justification by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ two weeks ago when I last preached here. We have determined from that that justification is a legal term which means to to render one righteous or to render one to make one or declare one such as he ought to be in other words to clear the name of the guilty to clear the name of one who otherwise would be convicted it's a courtroom term and it's generally um, used in connection with legal proceedings and it, it really means basically an acquittal an acquittal and it means the opposite of condemned or condemnation. Last time we saw from various verses, and we'll review those in a moment, uh, that justification in the eternal courtroom of God is by grace alone, only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this morning I want to deal with a what looks to be on its face a conflict between scriptures because whereas we read that justification by grace is solely and holy of God in Romans chapter 5 in verse 1 we read about being justified by faith and then over in James chapter 2 in verse 21 and 22 we read about being justified by works so we have three different justifications we're talking about here. Justification by grace alone. And then we have justification by faith without works. And then we have justification by works. So, so which is it? <laughs> which is it? And the answer is it's all of those. And let me, this morning, the Lord being my helper, I'll try to uh, explain that. Remember what I said earlier about justification. When we read about justification, we read about, we're reading essentially about a courtroom term. And we see components of a courtroom in each type of justification. And that's important, that we understand which courtroom we're in when we're talking about justification by grace, justification by faith, and justification by works. I, I want to read to you a quote from Elder Vernon Johnson's book on uh, on primitive Baptist doctrine that he wrote. He says, how do we harmonize what appears, to be many uh, what appears to many to be contradictions on the subject of justification? Are we justified by God's free grace through the, uh, through the redemption in Christ Jesus alone without any exercise of faith on our part or good works on our part? And the answer is yes. Are we also justified by our activity of faith without works? Again, the answer is yes. Are we justified by works? Again, the answer is yes. To understand how that in one instance we are justified by the blood of Jesus through God's free grace and without works or faith on the part of those justified, in another instance we are justified by faith without works, and in a third instance we are justified by works, we need to know where the trial takes place and what we are being tried for. In other words, 
There are three courtrooms here, and those types of justification occur in different courtrooms. I want to go ahead and lay them out for you uh, this morning as we get started. The first courtroom is the courtroom of heaven. We've really already talked about that. When it comes to our justification from sin and our salvation from death, hell, and the grave, and the condemnation of sin, then that courtroom is the courtroom of eternal heaven. But when it comes to our justification by faith, which requires the exercise of faith on our part, the courtroom that's under consideration is the courtroom of our heart and mind. And when it comes to the, court, uh, to the justification by works that James talks about, the courtroom that we're dealing with is the courtroom of men's opinions. And we'll see this from Scripture uh, if you'll bear with me this morning. So let's talk about this. Justification by grace. I don't want to rehash it too much because we went through it. Go back and listen to the podcast from a couple of weeks ago and you'll hear about justification by grace. But essentially, in Romans chapter, um, chapter 3 and verse 19, we read about justification by grace and it excludes anything but the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Remember we talked about that courtroom there, that there was a law given, there was a law giver, and there was judgment. There was a judge who judged all the world guilty before God. And therefore, verse 20, we read, By the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. There's no way the works of the law. James has just got it wrong if the courtroom is the courtroom of heaven. <laughs> and by the way, James didn't get it wrong because it's a different courtroom. But, but there's no way the works of the law can justify us in the sight of God. Eternal justification cannot be by works. James tells us elsewhere, I believe it's chapter 2 and verse 10, that it's an all or nothing system. That you either keep all the law or if you break it in one little part then you're a lawbreaker. You may not rob banks. You may not run around on your wife. You may not kill people. But if you've coveted another man's uh, uh, land or another man's home or anything somebody else has, if you've committed adultery in your heart, you're a lawbreaker in every sense of the term. The Apostle Paul was a lawbreaker. The Apostle Paul who's writing Romans knew he was a lawbreaker. You know, you may not have murdered anybody lately. I <laughs> hope you hadn't. <laughs> but I bet you broke the speed limit. Maybe even coming to church this morning. I'm not going to confess, but I might have. Okay? The trooper that wrote me a warning last week thought I did. I'll say, I'll say it that way. <laughs> that makes me a lawbreaker. I, I am a breaker of the law. Even the, Well, that's not that bad. But the problem is in the sight of God, every sin is bad. Every sin is equally bad. You know, you say, well, it's much better if I just... Uh, look upon a woman to lust after her in my heart and then don't do anything about it. Yes, in consequences, it's much better. In consequences, it's better for you not to do that because the consequences may be severe here on this earth. But I'll tell you, beloved, in the eternal courtroom of God, you're just as guilty as if you had committed the act. David could have walked upon the top, the, 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 uh, the roof of his house there and looked down upon Bathsheba and lusted after her and not done anything about it. He would still be just as guilty in the sight of God as if he had done exactly what he did. <laughs> now, the consequences were a lot worse for him here and now. 
but he's still guilty. You see, eternal justification cannot be by works. By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. In fact, sometime, you don't have to turn there this morning, but make a note to go to Romans chapter 11, about verse 6 over there. He gets to talking a little tongue twister there. He said, if it's by grace, it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. If it's by works, it's, uh, if it's by works, it's no more grace. Otherwise, works are no more works, you see. Ultimately, justification by grace is by the blood of Christ alone in the courtroom of heaven. So, preacher, what about these other justifications you've been talking about? Well, look with me in the, into the fifth chapter of Romans, and let's just talk about the next one, which is justification by faith. I realize in the world today, in the religious world, we're taught that the only way to become born again, to become a child of God, is to exercise faith, which is basically what we're told when we're told to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe upon Him and you'll be born again, which is never, that's, that phrase is never contained in the Scriptures. We read about believing on Him and being saved, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But this, again, it's like I've told you before when I preach here, when you see the word saved or salvation in the Word, in the word of God, you better ask saved from what? <laughs> saved from what? Because there's different salvations taught in the Word of God. There's eternal salvation. And by the way, you can tell the difference between eternal, a verse of, as to whether it's eternal or timely salvation as to whether it has an if in it. <laughs> I heard Brother Furman Burkhalter say that one time. He said, if it's got an if in it, it's not eternal. <laughs> Eternal salvation is solely and wholly of God. But here we see in chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have a justification that is by faith, by the exercise of the faith that has been implanted in us through the new birth. Remember, the new birth comes first. There can be no faith prior to the new birth because Galatians 5 and verse 22 tells us that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit doesn't bear the tree, the tree bears the fruit. You don't get faith first and then the Spirit. The Spirit has to be there first because the fruit of the Spirit is faith, you see. So there is a, there is a justification that occurs by faith. Now, where does this justification occur? Does it occur in the eternal courtrooms of heaven? Beloved, if you've got to get born again before you can have faith, then you're already justified in the courtroom of heaven. See, the courtroom's a different courtroom. It's the courtroom of our heart and mind. Remember what we said about a courtroom? You've got to have law. You've got to have a law. Okay? Turn with me and keep your finger there in uh, Romans chapter 5. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 8. And let's look at what the new birth does for us. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 10, the writer here says, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. By the way, 
I realize that there's also a saying out in the religious world that says, do you know the Lord? If you don't know the Lord, you need to get to know the Lord. Well, beloved, that's not, we don't have to preach that. <laughs> because he says, all, that is all of his children shall know me from the least unto the greatest. Now, all don't know everything about him, but all know him. You know, when a baby's born, when a baby's born into this world, he doesn't come forth from the womb saying, hey, mama, hey, daddy, <laughs> it's nice to finally meet you. No, he knows he's alive. He knows there's a need for food. There's a need for clothing. There's a need for comfort. And he knows he's being comforted by something. <laughs> but he doesn't know all the details of who they are. You know, it took, I, I still learn things about my mom and daddy today. I learn new things that I didn't know. Mama, every once in a while, tell me something that daddy did or said way back years ago and it surprises me it's like wow I didn't know that and she thought she told me but you see I didn't come forth from the womb knowing every detail about him but boy I knew him I knew my mama and I knew my daddy I knew that I knew that I had someone to comfort me see we don't we don't have to teach that that's that's imparted in the new birth but notice what it said back in verse 10 see I said we have to have law. Well, look, God said, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. When you're born of the Spirit, God writes His law in your hearts. See, there's a... Let me, let me say this. There was, a, there was this little thing that went around. Brother Mackey probably remember it. This idea of the hollow log theory of the new birth. That, that, uh, that, that the new birth was just like... It was just like a rabbit running through a hollow log. It went through there and didn't change anything. You never know any difference. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Now, you, don't, you may not know the details. You may not have even heard the name of Jesus. Paul, John the Baptist had never heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was born again in his mother's womb. But you know what? Something changed. He leaped for joy in his mother's womb. There was a, there was a change in his measure of joy. He didn't have any joy before. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, remember? And he leaped for joy. <laughs> he had to learn about him as he, as he grew and, and got older, you know, after he was born. But, but the, 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 the hollow log theory is wrong. When you're born again, there's a difference in your life. You may not understand it all, but there's a difference. And you see, the difference is God has now put his laws in your heart and there's something different that you didn't have before. Romans chapter 2. Look with me back over there for a minute. Here's a perfect description of this. Verse, uh, let's start with verse 11. Romans chapter 2 and verse 11, just to get a little bit of the context here. For there is no respect of persons with God. As many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. As many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. <clears throat> For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Okay? Now, this, this is leading us up to, the, to, to this verse 14. Remember what we said, God writes his laws in our heart. Okay? For when the Gentiles, which have not the law. Let me stop right there and say you know, earlier on he asked, or later on he's going to ask, what advantage then hath the Jew? Chapter 3 and verse 1. He said, much every way. He said, because primarily they were given the oracles of God. The Jews knew who they worshipped. The Jews knew what the law was. They knew what they ought to do. But there were some Gentiles out there that didn't have the law. 
But it says they do by nature the things contained in the law. I thought you said our, our nature was dead in trespasses and in sins. Our human nature is. It sure is. So that tells me something very important about these Gentiles that are under consideration. These Gentiles are not dead in trespasses and sins. This is a different nature than that nature that we read about in 1 Corinthians 2.14 where it says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them for they are spiritually discerned. That's a different nature than those who by nature were children of wrath even as others those who were dead in trespasses and in sins. There's a new nature here. You see these are born again Gentiles. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, they don't have the written law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Now notice here, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. In other words, these are born again Gentiles that don't know the oracles of God. They don't have the word of God, but yet they're doing right anyway. They're doing things that comply with the law anyway, and they're doing it by nature. Not by their old Adam nature, but by the new nature, which shows the work of the law written in their hearts. Now listen, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. This justification by faith... As I said, it must have a law. The law is written in the heart of those who have been born again. The lawgiver is God, and it must have a judge. The judge in this courtroom is the conscience. The judge in this courtroom is the conscience of those who have been born again. Notice the conscience is bearing witness, and it's also the thoughts are, in the meanwhile, accusing or excusing one another. You ever done something wrong and immediately been convicted about it? That's your conscience. That's con you didn't have that conscience when you're not born again. The reprobate doesn't have a conscience. <laughs> I mean, they may know some things are wrong, and they may be sorry they got caught, but they're not repentant in their hearts toward God. They're not convicted of the sin in their hearts. But when the law of God is written in your heart, whether you know anything about the scriptures or not, when the law is written in your heart, then your conscience bears witness that what you did was right or what you did was wrong and your thoughts you begin accusing or maybe excusing yourself. In other words, when I, when I do something wrong, especially when I know it's wrong from the scripture. Um, I don't look, my, you know, my conscience bears witness that, you know, oh boy, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And what do my thoughts immediately do? Praise God, they don't immediately say, oh, well, so what? I'm going to go on anyway. No, my thoughts condemn me. My thoughts bring me in, under condemnation. They accuse me. Okay, now when I do something right, when I'm tempted and I withstand the temptation and I follow the Lord and I do what's right, then my, 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 conscience, uh, no long, my conscience bears witness that I did right and my thoughts excuse me. <laughs> they excuse me. You see, see this, the judge in the, heart, in the courtroom of the heart and mind is the conscience and the thoughts that are the result, the result of the conscience bearing witness. Look with me over to 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> Notice what, I like the way John puts it in, and we're going to come back to John, Lord willing, before this sermon's over. 
in First John chapter 3 and verse 20, we'll come back to this verse, but I want to read it. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. You see, the first thing we find when God writes his laws in our heart is that we are condemned by sin, the sin in our lives. I don't know about you, but I hate sin. Now, I'm still a sinner. The difference now is, though, after having been born again, is I don't enjoy it like I did before. Oh, yeah, there's a part of me that enjoys the pleasures of sin for a season. But I know I'm doing wrong. I know I shouldn't do this. And, and my heart and my mind, my conscience and my mind accuse me when I do things wrong. You remember that old publican in Luke chapter 18? He, you know, the Pharisee was standing up there saying, oh, man, I'm better than everybody else here. God, I'm doing so good. And he was just, you know, just, just about to pop the buttons off of his, off of his shirt. He was so uh, proud of himself. But the old publican, he stood afar off and would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. And he smote up on his breast. He said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, that's what happens in the new birth, is it not? We are born again, and then we recognize what a sinner we are. We feel condemned by it. We say like Isaiah, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. <laughs> and we see ourselves, rightly so, under the condemnation of a righteous and a holy God. By the way, coming under conviction of sin does not precede the new birth. It's the result of it. I, I agree. There are many people who say, have you, people have come under the conviction of sin. Well, let me ask this. When does a baby cry out? Is it before he's born or after? <laughs> Is it, if there was a, a dead man laying here to, tonight, uh, today, as we stand here today, if you went and put weights upon him, would he say anything? Would he feel it at all? He wouldn't. But if he was living and you did that, he would cry out. <laughs> you can put a thousand pounds of weight upon the chest of a dead man and he won't feel it at all. But you can put a thousand pounds of weight on that, that same man if he's alive and he will, he will cry out because <laughs> he'll feel that. And that's the, that's the weight of sin. That's the conviction of sin. And sometimes we're told that the way to get relief in this courtroom is mixed up with the courtroom of heaven. Sometimes people get this courtroom mixed up with the courtroom of heaven and say, now that you're under conviction of sin, you've got to do something in order to get eternally justified. But beloved, what do we have to do? What is the correct way to respond? You know, we try to get right with God. And we do it the wrong way. You remember over in Romans chapter 10? Just turn over there for a minute with me. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Remember, you've got to ask, saved from what? Well, we're about to see. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They're seeking the Lord. They're children of God. They have a nature inside them that pulls them toward the Lord. But notice what they're doing. They're not following him according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You see in Romans 10, they were putting a cloak of religious exercises 
on themselves. Those Jews were trying to get right with God. But I tell you, beloved, religious exercises, it's important that we be here. It's important that we be part of a church and, and that we be faithful to it. But religious exercise is nothing more than fig leaves. The same thing Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with and that dissipated to the point where God had to slay an animal to cover them. You see, others try to do good deeds of righteousness. They try to do righteous works, but Isaiah says they're all just filthy rags. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.